Thanks for joining us today on RV Tech Talk, a podcast produced by the National RV Training Academy that is devoted to discussing ways to keep RVs in tip-top shape and ways to make money fixing or inspecting recreation vehicles. My name is Greg Gerber, your host for today's show. Today I'm speaking with a man who has been full-time RVing with his wife and dog since 2016. Although he was working remotely for a corporation when he launched his RVing adventure, today Chris Ratcliffe supports himself by fixing and inspecting RVs for other people. He went through training in 2020 to learn more skills to be able to save money by fixing his own RV. After learning about additional training he could take, Chris became a certified RV inspector to give himself a plan B. When he was laid off from his job a short time later, Chris already had a business foundation in place that he could devote his full attention. As a result, the layoff was little more than a hiccup in the overall direction of their lives. Chris returned to the National RV Training Academy to complete advanced classes to become a certified RV technician. That gave Chris and his wife even more flexibility to make money wherever they traveled, and they moved to a new location every three to six weeks. Chris's business, R-Factor RV, does some inspections, but not a lot. The majority of his work involves fixing RVs for people in whatever area he's in at the moment. But he also provides training to new RVers as well to help them better understand how their equipment works. To tell us more about his travels and how he promotes his business along the way, please welcome Chris Ratcliffe with R-Factor RV to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. I really appreciate your time. So I understand you are a full-time RVer working as a technician and inspector. How did you get involved in that? Oh, my wife and I and our dog have been full-timing since 2016. I was still working the corporate world, working remotely. And we essentially, over a period of time and people we met on the road, fell in love with the lifestyle. And so we started off with a plan to do it for just a couple of years. And one thing led to another. And I personally can't envision anything else. I love the RV community. I love our, the RV lifestyle. The flexibility it gives us is, is just crazy. We love the boondock and we've met a great number of people out in the community. So we, we just, we did that. And then I decided to, I want, I need to know more. Fixing RVs is expensive. So I was looking for ways to learn more. So I decided to get some education. Oh, that's cool. What did you do for a living before you got into the RV lifestyle? I sat behind a computer all day in meetings, doing user experience development. I've been in the user experience world, actually, since I got out of the Navy, pretty much. I built my kind of professional world there on empathy for the end user. And it really translated well to the to how I deal with customers. Well, I would uh, I would imagine that's a great skill to have to be able to put yourself in a customer's place, especially when you're talking to them. They're super frustrated by the time they call a technician and you can empathize with that and calm things down and move them in a more positive direction. So that's true. Can, yeah. <laughs> super. So you've been RVing full-time since 2016. And when did you start your business? I started the business late in 2020. We actually approached this as, hey, let's have a plan B. I went to do the fundamentals. And like I said, I wanted to learn more about fixing my own RV. I probably think that most of the people that go down to Athens, that's where they start. I talk, everybody I talk to, I want to go down there and learn about fixing my own RV. 
But then they learn the other opportunities and they dip their toes in the water, which is what I did on the inspection side. And I'm like, hey, let's just have a backup job. And yeah, since late 2020, I formed the business and then we evolved. I was actually laid off about a month or two. I don't know if I have my year wrong or not, but it not it's soon after that. And we just decided that, hey, let's see if we can make the business work. At the time, my wife was working, so we had some dual income and, and I just continued learning and put all of our emphasis in the business. That's a great story because having that, you at least laid the groundwork for doing something else before you, lay, you got laid off. A lot of people get caught off guard by that and then they don't know what to do. So you eased into another venture, which I think is good planning. Yeah, it was actually really nice. When I went back for all the advanced classes, I, I already had an established business. So I was able to provide a perspective or have questions answered that a lot of people and help other classmates out where, and I was, I was ready to roll. I was ready to buy tool, more tools because you're always buying tools and, uh, and just go with the business where other people were still coming up with their name their logo, their website. So we were, we came in and our ramp up, was actually a very fluid thing. And as I, the more knowledge and confidence I got from the training, the more I was ready to go. I, it's, it was great. I like your business name. How did you come up with R Factor RV Services? I should have known you'd ask that. It has some variable history, but the way we, uh, my last name starts with R and we just look at that as a R as in a, the Ratcliffe name being, that's our name as a level of service. So I've played with things like relationship. I do try to have a relationship with all of our customers and I want to be reliable. I haven't actually marketed it that way too much, but that's the emphasis is it's, we are the R factor and the R factor is how we do business and how we treat our customers, which is really a differentiator in a lot of service industry businesses. I think that's wise as well to develop a relationship with your customers because you know, that provides long-term um, for you as far as repeat business comes in. That's for any business. I would imagine for you, it's a bit difficult because you are in a different area every couple of weeks or every couple of months, aren't you? Yes, we are working on getting our business model down, but we chose RV life because we like to travel. We like to see things. We, I get very, I don't like to be in one place very long. So we said, let's do this and travel on our own terms and then reevaluate later to see if it's going to work. And so, yeah, we are moving every three to six weeks or so, something like that. And uh, so I make great customers where I'm at. And then I say, see ya, but I'm also available. So I had a client in Fiesta Key. We spent three weeks in the Keys this last winter, which was fabulous. And we were very busy. This client reaches out, has reached out to me three times with just asking questions. All I did was replace his AC motor, got his AC working. It was fantastic. But we just have a report. Actually, he might be on his, not literally right now, but he's planning to go to Athens. So while I'm out, I'm also talking about where I got my education. And anybody interested, we have great conversations about the training and, and everything. So yeah, we, I try to keep in touch with my customers 
even though I say I'm available now, maybe I'm just available through text or email because I may not be available to answer the phone right away, but I'm always there to answer their question. I have another client that I met up in Pennsylvania last year, and he's always asking me where I'm at because he wants me to just maintain his RV. We ran into him in Florida. So met him in Pennsylvania and ran into him in Florida. But here's the fun part about the little story side note. I met the guy back in 1986 or seven. We were in the Navy on the same ship, uh-huh. but we never knew each other. It was, it was a weird alignment and uh, he's great. In fact, he sent me emails yesterday asking for some help. And I try to let my customers know is, Hey, I'm here to help you enjoy RVing and, and understand your RV. Just reach out and I'll answer your questions. We may turn that into a, a business later on, but right now we're just getting a customer base where people are reaching out and feel free to ask me things. What kind of services do you provide to RVers? We do. I am an RVIA certified inspector. We are available to be contacted. We do inspections. We don't do a lot because of our movement or, but when they come up, we do that. And I do RV service as far as pretty much any repair that I can do mobile. Sometimes there's a lot of things where you just have to do it in the shop. If it's a major roof repair or slide floor, getting a lot of calls for slide floors lately. And I'm like, I just can't do that in the field, but I try to do what I can for them. So any appliances, ACs, all that, any kind of service. And we also do education. People, if they need help, it is very, we all know, especially any of us in the industry, we know that when you buy an RV, the information you're trying to consume if you're new is overwhelming. It's feeding, getting information from a fire hose and it's not realistic for a new inexperienced RV to understand and remember all that. And I know a lot of other RV services, technicians and all offer this service and it's a great service. People probably should take advantage of it more because I want to be there and call me or we can video and I'll walk you through why you're running out of power because you're overusing your battery or why your water pump's not working because you didn't change your manifold over correctly. Things that are very simple that you learn over time, but people do not, they don't often learn that how different an RV is compared to a house. And they just think, oh, I can just get in and then go. (laughs) I think that's a great idea, Chris, because my sister just bought a new RV. She lives up in Wisconsin and she's got loads of questions. And I try to answer them as best I can because I've been involved in the industry for more than 20 years. But still, there are certain technical aspects that it would be helpful if a trained technician would be able to guide her through and show her how to hook up the hoses and how to dump the tanks and in the proper order so you don't get those dreaded poop pyramids and things like that. And so that's a really good idea to be able to provide inspections and repair and education. So how far in advance do you plan your travels then? Do you just wake up at their three weeks and say, all right, let's throw the dot and move over in that direction? That's really a good question. And we're still figuring that out because before I was 100% invested in working the business, that was pretty close to what we did. We, we would not plan out, but maybe a month or two. Well, now we're having to figure out where we want to be, what's a good market, to work and try to, I would say, temporarily establish ourselves in an area so that people can find us. It's people find us in all kinds of ways, anywhere from somebody pulls up in there and parks their RV and walks right over 
uh, happened in Pennsylvania last year outside of Hershey versus we're in a location and the phone doesn't ring, no contacts for a week. And then all of a sudden they start trickling in. Okay. And the risk for us is in that when we're getting ready to leave and somebody contacts us, I sometimes have to not take jobs because I'm like, I'm not going to be around to get parts and things like that. So it is a challenging business model. That's how people just come to us in different ways. And I try to give them a lot of opportunities to come to us. So you're only in one area, you said for less than a month, right? Before you move on? More or less. Yes. Okay. We're working on extending that. What we'll do is we might be in an RV park for a month or less, but then we'll try to stay in the region so I can work a service area for multi for a longer time. That's what we're moving to. When I was in, we were in Florida this winter, we stayed in the Orlando area for three months. And we, then we stayed in the Tampa area for probably two months. Still not very long, but it's long enough to get some work. I was happy to spend more time in the Keys, but we were only there for three weeks, but we could have stayed all winter. (laughs) But that's a good example. So that you might be in the Keys one day, but then moving again to Homestead, which is on the shore, right? It's in mainland Florida. And so you're still in the region to be able to do that, but experiencing a different part of Florida. Yep. Yeah, the, uh, we left the Keys last winter, and I think two days after we left, we got a call for somebody in halfway, like halfway to where we just left. It was an hour and a half drive, but there was no one else around. And we're like, okay. Then we literally drove, two days later, drove back down to the Keys. We weren't mad <laughs> <bad> about it. <laughs> okay. How do you find your customers then once you get into a new area? We, we rely a lot on the rvtaa.org locator, the NRVIA locator. We get a lot of our business that way. The truck is, we label the truck. We get our business that way. And also we put it, when RV parks allow us to, we put a sign out because some people see the truck, but they don't really know if we're available to work. But the sign is a clear indicator because it says we're servicing the area. And people just walk up to us in parks. That is possibly our number one is people just coming up to us, finding us. Or if I go to the, I try to go to the office and talk to them, leave my cards. It's interesting. Now I know everybody has different experiences, but I've had a vast variation of experiences by leaving my cards in locations. So my example is up near Bar Harbor, Maine. We left a card, our cards in an RV park there, and we were constantly busy, almost daily getting calls from the off. And then they would say, oh, the office gave us your card. Months later, when we were now down in Florida, we were still getting calls. Oh. But we go, and then I have to say, sorry, we're not there anymore, but I'm thrilled to get the call. I'm disappointed not to be able to help them. North Carolina, very similar. Months later, we're getting calls, but other locations, nothing, meaning the ca- leaving cards at the office has not been consistent. And for me, at least for me, I know other people, I read other technicians, their responses, and they do really well that way, but it just hasn't worked out. We know that we have our challenges. So I try to hit a lot of different options. We're on Google, but when you move around, Google is challenging. We have recorded literally one customer that's found us 100% on Google, no other sources. And I always ask people, how'd you find us? And when he told me that, I'm like, yeah, that was great. But where are the rest of them? <laughs> I can imagine that would be challenging to arrive in an area and pretty much be starting over 
from scratch each time you get into an area. And especially yep. when you're short time. I can see it probably be easier for a technician if they were going to be in an area for three months where you could develop some of that repeat business and things like that. But just as the word gets out for you, get itching to travel again and start experiencing a different part of the country, which is why you got into RVing. So why not do it's that? It's exactly why. And that's why we're trying to make this work. And I do. We try to make either friendships or relationships with our clients. I've had clients reach out to me. Hey, we're coming to Florida. Where are you going to be? I need this example was they need a slide topper. But unfortunate, no matter if you're in the same state or not, it's there's a lot of between timing and location and we couldn't connect. And so I run into that a lot. I do have clients that chase me down too. We had a client that we met in New York last year. We had to wait on parts and they came to the same RV park we were in near Hershey, Pennsylvania. They needed some more work. And then we met again in North Carolina. So that was a fantastic experience because they didn't want anybody else to work on their RV except for me. <laughs> I have never heard of an RV or planning travel around the location of their technician. So that's pretty they, cool. They did in this. Now, it was warranty work to their defense. So they just had to travel. Okay. But they were generally heading that way anyways. We made a few. They altered their timing a little bit for us. And we tried to accommodate too. We were having lots of conversations. Okay, you're going to be at this location when? We'll try, we'll adjust and try to work with them because you want to help people and you want to do whatever you can. We get into conversations all, all the time as if somebody, can we extend in a location? Can we, to help somebody? We were leaving Maine and got a call for ins an inspection in Presque Isle, Maine, three and a half hours in a different direction. I talked to the client. I said, hey, we were, we're going a different direction, but I can help you out. It's, there'll just be fees involved. No problem. We went up there the next day and drove. This is the beauty of what we do. We drove someplace we had no intentions of going, experienced an area of Maine and that we weren't planning on going to, did the inspection and went on our, kept, continued our travels. Just, we changed our travels. So that was, that was great. That's flexibility. And that's one of the things of being able to operate a mobile business. It gives you that yes, kind sir. of flexibility to do what you want when you want to do it. But it sounds like your business model is also a great opportunity for collaborating with other RV technicians, even other mobile technicians here. If everybody was moving around and had an idea of where people were, you left an area where your friend is headed that way and will be there in about four weeks. And maybe they'd be able to handle the service and things like that. I just, I know it sounds like a lot of work for you guys, but I think that there's an opportunity there. Yeah, we did that in Florida, actually. I was leaving and I actually had another technician right across the street from us in the, in the park. And I was like, hey, I'm leaving, but call this guy. We were able to do that. Yeah, it, it's some, it's an area for me to work on is that collaboration because we do our own thing. And I think that's a good opportunity for us. I'd agree. How do you do pricing when you're moving from one region to another? It varies. So I have a, a business model where I have different price points. I have a, and I have a warranty uh, rate and, and things like that. And we know what shops are charging. This is where I start with my pricing. We know what shops are charging. And we're like, we can't provide all the services of shops. We can't always be as fast as shops, but we do come to you. So that's what shops don't do. So I make sure that 
I am below that range. And so that way, if you know anyone that understands what shop rates are, they're going to know that my rates are reasonable. We also have a right to where we're in a lower cost of living area or a discount. We offer a discounted rate. And I do that based on the situation. So here's the example is when we were, we're in a location like the Keys, I had a very consistent rate. We're in a small town in Texas. I adjust that rate. So it really depends on what I'm around and who I'm talking to. And when I write up my invoices, my rate's always the same, but then I offer a discount. So okay. you see, you see my discount in there. That way it's always looks consistent on the paperwork. And then I have the choice to say, okay, based on my location, based on this customer. And also in the park, I always offer the lower rate in the park. So if I meet somebody and I just have to drive across the street to help them, they're going to get the lower rate. And so it's just try to, and it's still competitive. I see what others are charging and everything. And I'm higher than some, I'm lower than others. So that tells me I'm just right. I think that would work to your advantage to be offering a discount and putting that on the invoice so people see they're getting a discount. Everybody loves discounts, right? Yep. And so that's a great, that's a marketing strategy in itself. Yeah. And I don't really, I talk about that on the site. When I say on site, when I, when I have a job, it's not something I, I want to have the flexibility to decide whether it's, it warrants a discount. And here's an example. If I come out and I need to, let's say, replace an AC unit, of course, that's going to be a, a set amount of hours but you're not going to get my discounted rate. If I'm in and out of there in two hours, I'm typically, you're still, you're getting a good deal, me replacing that. And I'm not going to lower my rate for something like that. So it is, it, it does it's situational when I'm doing diagnostics and things take a little while longer, I'm going to be charging my lower rate because it gets, again, that's the empathy for the customer. It's okay. Yeah. You know, how would I feel if this guy's spending all this time? maybe solving the problem, maybe needs more research. And so I try to say, hey, I normally charge X. And but since I was here this long or we had these kind of problems, I'm going to give you the lower rate. And uh, it's received really well. OK. How do you get parts on the road when you travel so frequently? That's a really good question. <laughs> Different ways. So I've I have accounts with several distributors based on location, based on availability. Believe it or not, and I know we all know this, Amazon is often the better choice, but I, because I'll compare, I spend a lot of time parts researching because if I go to a manufacturer and their part is at price is X and the price on Amazon is either $10 more and I can get it like in two days versus three weeks. Hey, we're going with Amazon. And when I have accounts with Dometic and Lippert and all those, and I'm growing that. I'll be, I'm going to be doing Truma training later this year. So I'll be certified in Truma repairs and they'll, I guess they'll send me the parts for those things. So that just, I try to have a lot of different options, but it really is a challenge because I can't carry a lot of parts. We just, we have limited space and I've been spending the last year or so deciding what can I carry? And so I'll be like, oh, like I needed a unique fuse a few days ago. I bought two. Now I have that unique fuse. So hopefully down the road, somebody needs that and I'm ready to go. <laughs> I was going to ask about how much you have in inventory at any given time, especially in an RV, which where space is limited. Wow. I, it's a good, you're probably looking for a, a dollar value of an inventory or. If you've got one, you wouldn't have 
bare air conditioner parts, I wouldn't imagine yeah, that you're hauling. No, that's not totally true. So when we replace an AC because the compressor's out, guess what? We normally have a really good motor sitting there. Okay. And last year, I replaced several at an, a rally, and I was carrying around four motors. Now, the fun thing is, just recently, I was carrying those motors around, and I go to AC1, didn't work. AC2 didn't work. Oh, AC3, it's hotter than anything. I get the guy up and running in two hours, no parts ordered. Wow. And I tell, this is used. I'm not guaranteeing this motor at all, but the difference is I can have your RV cooling in hours instead of a week or so. Um, people are and they were thrilled <laughs> um, so it varies so I, I carry a few ac parts i carry all the cards for all the water heaters and i have all replacement cards for that we also do tank servicing tank cleaning so i have a jetter system the nozzles all that and then i carry of course all valves so if any tank needs work needs a valve replacement or anything i can do that so yeah and all, a lot of electrical stuff because that's easy and lightweight. Anything that's lightweight, I'm loading up. <laughs> so are you, what kind of RV are you in? I am in a 2018 Solitude, a fifth wheel. A fifth wheel. Okay. So is your tow vehicle a work truck? Oh, yes. It's okay. a work truck. It's a F-350 dually. And we even, we bought it. So we were, when we started the business, we were in a motorhome and had a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And I worked an event and I about killed myself taking the ladder on and off the luggage rack for a week straight. And I'm like, we need a truck because I can't do this all the time. So we got the long bed. The truck is loaded with tools, not all the tools. Most parts stay in the RV. So we spread it all around. But yeah, the truck is our work truck, our tow vehicle. And yeah. <laughs> do you have any special consideration when it comes to taxes when you're traveling as a mobile technician? That's interesting. I, I work with my accountant on that, my tax person, and our revenue is, there's a certain threshold of taxes of how much you, how much you make. And we've only been one location where we've exceeded that. We're in and out of the states fast enough, or there's no sales tax. So it is varies from state to state, but we do look at that situation and we collect taxes now, in some cases, I'm paying the tax because I don't always get uh, things tax-free. And then, of course, services, service is not taxable. At least I haven't been to any state where it's taxable. So we kind of work within the constraints of that state, and then we plan our taxes around that. Do you have to play, pay taxes to the individual states? Not yet, but we're okay. still too early okay. because last year we didn't have enough revenue from in different states like Maine or North Carolina. Okay. So there's, and we talked to our tax guy and if you're below a certain threshold, I don't even remember the numbers, you, it's okay. But like we will, next year we'll be doing that and that'll be a whole new element for us. I can imagine. What are some of the biggest surprises you've seen in the field when working on RVs? When working on RVs? Oh, there's always big surprises, but I have a recent one that's fresh in my mind in a park in North Texas and it's fabulous park because it's got a lot of shade and there's a lot of full-timers there and these full-timers park their RV and they they're gone for weeks on end and they don't clean and I have videos where I filled a I have a mat probably two by two square feet of dirt dauber nests and they, they, and then I go and do service on their AC and it's full of spider web eggs and everything. 
And this is on multiple RVs I found this on. And it's like, they leave the RVs. They love coming in and enjoying their weekends or a week here and a week there, but they don't realize the RV still needs some work. And I wouldn't say I was surprised about this. I guess I was surprised at how, how much of an opportunity it is and how necessary it is for people to get up there and sweep their slides off and maintain their, their gaskets and their seals around their slides, look at their roof and everything. Because one gentleman, he had a full-time job. He didn't do anything with his RV. And so we, I did a few things with it, but I also talked to them about these things need to be taken care of because I bet you have bugs inside because they're all living in your AC. You know, that is something I think a lot of people don't realize when you're a seasonal RVer and you're keeping your RV parked in the same place all the time. While you're at home and at work, the bugs are still working to get into your system. They never they stop. Are. They don't go home. <laughs> Their refrigerator was so full of dirt dauber nests and everything. And I know we all know as technicians, we know that's a common thing, but it's probably the biggest uh, dirt dauber nest setup I've seen. In fact, I was chasing one away that wanted to come back while I was out there working. If you had to start your business over, is there anything you do differently? I don't know. Cause uh, there's certain things we had an experience. We started off doing technician or inspections. We wanted to focus on inspections because I knew that doing repair work required a lot more tools and required some parts. But we also then learned how necessary, how much the repair was needed. So I would say what I would do is get my technical training sooner. But then I wouldn't have had the trickle of experience that I had of being, I was at an RV rally up in Rock Springs a few years back and seeing and having the extreme confidence that we could do this because of the need that was out there and the fact that I wasn't even certified at the time and I was helping people left and right. They were, we were so booked, we couldn't even keep up. And so that was, that trigger said that Yes, we can invest this money. We can do this. We can make it work. We knew at the time also that we had our challenges with our travel, but we also like, just like we went three and a half hours in a different direction, we could sit there and say tomorrow that, okay, we need the business to work a little bit more. We're going to stay in X location for longer. We talk about that constantly as far as what we might do to change what we're, where we're at. I don't know what I would change. I, in one hand, I would say, oh, I should have got the training sooner and gotten things rolling. But the experience that I get along the way of each increment, I don't think, I think really built on my, not, also my confidence. Any new technician out there, depending on your background, you have to have the confidence to go and talk to people and, and make them understand what the problem is without, even though you may not be like the, it may not be a problem that you've seen before, but you have to approach it in a very logical fashion to build confidence in the customer. So all those things built up helped my confidence. I already had a background in repair. I just needed to get confident on working on each of these systems and knowing how they work. And then I was off and running. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it, <laughs> it did. That's very interesting. Do you have any advice for newer experienced technicians or inspectors who are thinking of getting into the field? Let me think. Don't get stressed. Don't get too frustrated and have a plan. Probably have a plan, but then always be ready to change your plan. Because we did, we started off with a business plan to say, hey, this is how we want to do this. This is what's going to cost us. This is our approach. 
But anyone that's been in any kind of corporate world, you always have a plan, you have a project plan, but that plan is always changing. And you need to realize that you want to be ready to change and not just say, oh, we got a plan. Let's not go off that plan. And we've tried to do that. The RV lifestyle helps us do that because if there's one thing we love about the lifestyle is one, the flexibility and two, our ability to change our plans at any time. The business has slowed that down a little bit. We don't want to change too fast, but we still could. So I don't know. I don't know if it's, there's probably better things I could say to people, but I would say have a plan, but be ready to change your plan. That's good advice. Do you have, is there something that you wish consumers knew about mobile technicians and mobile inspectors? Where to find us. <laughs> you know, they, the, if they're listening to this, they know where to find us. But it's the ones that don't listen to us and the ones that aren't online. I think last year I was at an event and I probably talked to 30 people in a day. I'm not on Facebook. I'm like, cause I say, follow us on Facebook or I'm not on Facebook. I was like, there's a card, call me. <laughs> but I, I, they need to know that we're out there and they need to know that we have a standardized uh, amount of training. So there's a lot of technicians out there with, and they're great. There's a variable with technicians that some are, some that have never been to training, but they will run circles around me and then others that have. But if you're looking for somebody that's because not only from a consistent training environment, but also has a network available. This is what I tell people all the time is I may not know the, I may not be able to solve your problem, but I can get online and I can contact people and I have a whole network of technicians at my fingertips. And that's probably the biggest advantage It's a confidence builder. I don't have to worry about being stuck. I can reach out and ask somebody. Bad news is sometimes the problems I've reached out and asked about, nobody knew the answer, but <laughs> hey, that just tells me it was unique and that's I shouldn't right. feel bad about not knowing the answer. <laughs> that's a great way to look at that. So it's okay <laughs> for consumers to use mobile technicians and mobile inspectors. I confidence. think so. It's hard to get into an RV shop. And it's, it's hard, it's expensive. If you want to continue RVN or you want to be not inconvenienced, then call a mobile technician because just by the name, they come to you and they're going to work on in your environment, on your terms, if possible. I've gone to people's houses and I'm like, I need full of hookups here. And, and they say, yeah, I'm plugged in, but it's a 110. <laughs> I was like, that's not going to work. I can't test your ACs on a 110, but, but we're out there and it's, it is convenient. And we can do, in many cases, just as good, in some cases, better work than you can get in the shop and faster. Where can people connect with you if they'd like to know more about your business or if they're professionals and would just like to hang out with you? Well, we have our website. That's rfactorrv.com. We're also on Facebook. I think if you searched at rfactorrv, you'll find us on Facebook. Um, you can follow us there. We're on Instagram at rfactorrv. And I'm building out our YouTube page now, trying to add more videos. It's social media takes up a lot of time when you want to be helping people and, and fixing things instead of being on social media. And I have dabbled in the TikTok. Again, that's at rfactorrv. We're out there. Excellent. Or you can email us at explore at rfactorrv.com. Very good. Thank you, Chris. This has been a wealth of information. Lots of great stuff today. And so I appreciate your time and your willingness to share it with us. Thank you. 
I appreciate Chris Ratcliffe for sharing his story about starting his company, R Factor RV, and describing what he does to find and serve clients wherever he travels. Although Chris travels frequently, he often stays in an area long enough to get the word out about his business and to address pressing needs for fellow RVers before moving on to a new place he and his wife want to visit. Finding new clients is as easy as placing magnetic signs on his truck and driving through campgrounds. When the campgrounds he stays at allow it, Chris puts a sign in front of his RV advertising his services as well. He also leaves a stack of business cards at various campground offices in the area, and that alone is often enough to bring in business for weeks. For inspections, he simply updates his pin locator on the National RV Inspectors Association website. Inspections are a one-time type of business anyway, and his clients are often thrilled to know an actual RVer is evaluating their RV. Chris has been in business long enough to have established some relationships with long-term customers who will reach out wondering if or when he will be in their area again. Chris has even had RVers plan their travel around where he might be just so he could work on their unit. I found it interesting that many times Chris offers some type of discount on services he provides based on the situation. It's a good marketing strategy because who doesn't like to get discounts? In making repairs, Chris identified an area that many seasonal RVers often overlook. They need to routinely sweep off the tops of their slide-outs and clean out their air conditioners to keep bugs and rodents from building nests, especially mud daubers. They also need to maintain their slide-out seals to ensure they work when needed. If Chris had to start over, he said he would have received technician training even earlier than he did. He found there was much more work available for people skilled in fixing RVs rather than inspecting them, especially when Chris was traveling from place to place. To connect with Chris, visit www.rfactorrv.com. You can also find him on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Today's episode was sponsored by the National RV Training Academy in Athens, Texas. The Academy's one-week live training or home study course will teach you everything you need to know to fix about 80% of problems people experience with their RVs. You can also sign up for additional training to become an RV inspector, campground technician, or to provide mobile RV service. For more information, visit www.nrvta.com. That's all for this week's show. Next time, I'll be speaking with another RV inspector and mobile service technician whose business supports his full-time RVing lifestyle. I'll have that interview on the next episode of RV Tech Talk. Thank you for listening.